0: everyone welcome to learning with Belvista Studios. Today my guest is Ali from Square One. And I want to recognize you Ali because I think you're just a genuine, authentic, caring human and I just that resonates with me. Um, but in terms of like your passion and your like energy around human-centered design and showing empathy for the end user is just awesome. And what you do for the community, like in Brisbane, I went to a meetup, that's how I came across you. And at the time, I didn't really know what human-centered design was, Um, I just heard things. But your energy and passion really inspired me to actually latch on and see it more than just going oh yeah that'd be good to do i was like no this would be awesome to do (laughs) so that's kind of where it all started and then obviously our team has just run with that like we love it and try to do it with all of our projects so thanks for being an inspiration for our team as well oh my goodness thank you that means so much to me thanks so much all good um okay so first question is i guess the framing for this as well like We've talked a lot in our like land to our community about human-centered design. So I want to take this to a more advanced level, and um, so my questions will be more around, yeah, getting it into practice and kind of nodding it out with stakeholders who might not be on board. Mm, yeah. So my first question is, what should come first in your opinion? Is it employee experience or customer experience?
1: Oh, that's an easy one to answer. Um, Well, logically for a lot of organizations, you know, they are in the business of doing business because they need to sell to customers. Customers have to buy and and that's how they survive. So historically has been a big tendency for organizations to be very customer centric and really truly forget that employees are, are very important. So what I, my answer is ensure employees are the most important asset that you can have Um, and it's been a really nice transition from organizations who were like all about customer centricity and human-centered design um, to now realize that they went a bit too far with with that customer centricity and they left a lot of people behind so it's really nice to see that shift so
0: employees definitely all the way as the first priority for me i'm definitely with you um, can you tell me a bit more about like how they've steered too far towards customer centric? Well, I can't even say that, but focusing too much on the customers and now they're realizing, wait, we need to, um, focus on our employees. Cause I know everyone always quotes Jeff Bezos mm. and his focus on like customer first. So it's really interesting to hear if you can tell some stories of what you've noticed in the world
1: yeah i think um i mean amazon as you mentioned you know is a great example of great customer service and customer experience um and you know there there are a lot of brands really doing an incredible job in that in that space you know really getting customers to feel that they're you know they have their needs being met and a lot of the things that they are expecting are, are are given to them you know a lot of that personalization and if not individualization of the digital age is really there to assist those companies to thrive and and create that very one-on-one experience and that's that's wonderful you know that's what customers want they want choice they want to feel that little you know the little bit of a bubbly sort of feeling in in their bellies going oh that's really lovely they know me they want they wow me um the thing is that when you when you kind of really look into that is that employees will somehow feel that they are the ones making all of this happen. And yes, there is a good feel, good vibe, um kind of a- ecosystem in the organization because naturally when you focus on customers like at the end of the day you're being empathetic you're being driven by providing a very beautiful and incredible experience but well, yeah. what happens is that you also need a lot of foundational back-end systems that will not only support your customer experience, but your employee experience. So if you don't have a lot of that very seamless and and consistent EX, so that employee experience is that, employees wouldn't be on the right path and wouldn't be clear on that North Star. So therefore things might break more often than they should and employees will perhaps become less productive or less engaged and you know, there's so many stats that really talk about that and the disengagement and the value that that has on or the, the consequences that has on companies bottom line. So um, I think generally speaking, you need to have a really nice balance between EX and CX. Um, if you got to start somewhere, I would always say um, start with EX. And I love if I if I may just touch on what you mentioned earlier, that you feel so happy right now and you're fulfilled on the inside. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that everything that's happening outside you is therefore, a, 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 you know, a match of that feeling. And it's the same thing. If you have that employee experience being absolutely, Uh, legendary spot on and employees feel you know they're being heard they're being appreciated whatever whatever that looks like then that will be replicated there will be a ripple effect there is an energy there is a vibe there is a philosophy there is an ecosystem that will support that so therefore looking at your employees first is really i guess the way to go
0: yeah instead or it can be people think they need to change crazy stuff to have a better employee experience Um, and they might want to take in consultants and do all these audits and stuff to change their culture what are some like day-to-day actions because we know that supervisors leaders in the organization have the biggest Mm. impact on more people what are some day-to-day actions that they could do within their control to improve employee experience?
1: um look i think there's a couple there's definitely a lot of a lot of tools a lot of little rituals and habits that organizations are applying for that day-to-day doing of the employee experience i think it is very important um to kind of do the very like almost the very blue sky Bring it down to that day today, as well as you know what the day today really looks like. So I'll explain what that means. So a lot of organizations have values, visions, purpose, blah 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 blah, and that's all well and good. But in reality, when you ask an employee what that is, you know, you know, eight nine eight times out of ten, they don't even know what it is. So they don't they like oh yes, we love our values. Like what are the values? I don't know. I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, you know, and that happens all the time. So. I think it is really important um, that on a day-to-day, even from a meeting setting or um, a leader, especially from a leadership perspective, is that a lot of those touch points that we talk when we we engage in that customer experience, they're also touch points for that employee experience. So you, you really kind of got to map out that employee experience or go, when do we engage with our employees on a daily basis? It might be a stand up, and that's a very common thing that that companies do. They have a five to 10, 15, whatever it is, um, minutes with with the team to talk about projects what's what's happening risk load risk all of that stuff really make sure that you are you are not just sharing the values from from what the company represents but also how you're using the values so you can say things like well we appreciate and you know we have we have this issue and this is obviously causing a lot of pain for our employees and or customers whatever it is our promise is that we're always going to be solving customers' problems within 24 hours. So who is gonna, who's gonna lead that? And then you just really bring them to life and really bring them as an example and then start making decisions based on that. So, you know, and those those are like probably just more like house rules, which will be Mm. company employee rules. Uh, Another really nice couple of things that you can do, especially when leaders have a lot of those meetings um, with employees on a daily or regular basis. There's a lot of organizations who have, you know, a lot of values around well-being and, and, you know, being present and all of that. And that's beautiful. But if you don't apply it, then that, that doesn't really go very far. So, for example, if you're a leader, of such organization and you walk into a meeting um, and then you're on your phone or you're on, your, on your laptop and not being very present, then you're not following the value. So I think it is very important for people to have that accountability and go, hey, you know, we value this. We just need to be aligned to that. And, mm-hmm. and for everybody to have a voice and to be accountable and say, yep, you're right. You know what? I, I'm i not I'm not here. I'm somewhere else. Um, and for people to be accountable to do that. So I think that's kind of what I've seen that, I, I, that, that really works. And and make sure that people are really sharing much more about themselves on a regular basis with their with their, with their leaders with their with their bosses um, and, and really ensure that that human touch is always, always happening because at the end of the day, after, you know, five, 6 PM, people go home and people have a life. And a lot of the times people don't, don't share that. Um, mm. and, and really so it could be affecting individuals. So really make sure that you have a lot of those human touch points and, and stop, uh, have coffees with people, just have them in a conversation at someone's desk and go, Hey, how are you going? How is everything? But really be very
0: human about it. Yeah. I love it because they, they're so practical and so simple. They are really doable. You know, you don't mm. need money. <laughs> um, yeah, the, And I think what I've noticed as well as to ask, you know, ask people what it will improve their work life. Um, because that's the whole thing about human centered design is speak to them, empathize with them. And then also a big thing that leaders I believe can do is um, give feedback. So. And it's timely and it's like on point, whether it's good or bad, because an employee feels that you value them if you give them that feedback. And then you can also reinforce behaviours that you want to mm. see that impact that performance as well. Um, so I think they'd be the two things that I'd add for that. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of human centred design, um, I know that you've worked with in private and public sector, sector with also like small to huge organisations, what results are you seeing them get from the perspective of when they apply human-centred design to the yeah. problems um, they solve? Yeah, there, there is
1: definitely a combination of results and every organization is different um, and it very much depends on the maturity of the organization at that point in time. So it's almost the best way to describe it is that, you know, if you, if you need to, ex, you want to become super fit or super healthy, um, yeah. but you might be, you know, slightly overweight, that maturity, that, that, that process to get you lose whatever amount of kilos, get really healthy, your cholesterol low, that might take a a, a bit of time versus someone who's been working out, you know, pretty fit, committed, that will take very little time. So (laughs) what we see is that that maturity really varies. The results could be from an organization that is rather mature. The results can really be recalibrating what they know to what are the areas of improvement so really kind of assessing their skill set around innovation capability mindset mindset plays it is really interesting plays such a big role in human centered design because when you are a human centered designer you are very creative you're very open, you're biased to action, you really truly empathize with people, you're really gathering touch points and data constantly, and you play with failure, you're vulnerable, you play with ambiguity, all those things, you're comfortable with that stuff. So if you're very mature in an organization, then it's almost like, Am I being being comfortable with failure? Are we actually pushing our boundaries? Are we doing minimal viable products for things instead of going all the way and then realize that that's wrong and that's not human centered? So that's what we see a lot of that mindset checking for a lot of those organizations and really kind of learning anything that is, you know, latest, new, that kind of stuff. For organizations that are less mature, what we see is a shift. So obviously the mindset shift is something that a lot of the times take organizations and it's like, oh my God, this is a lot. Um, They think that they are there to provide X experience or they are there to provide a KPI or a metric. And yes, of course, but to get there, your people has to change, your resources have to change, your systems, your processes. And that is a process that could take an awful lot of time. So we see a lot of changes from what we call back of office, and that's when we do a lot of that service design work, when we really tap into what's working and what's not working within organizations um, and take that process very systematically. And and obviously you have um, a lot of things that can be fixed. And that's a beautiful part of the process that we do is that being human-centered is not just about providing that experience to humans, it's also about understanding what you need to create behind the scenes to make that experience possible. Um, and then ultimately, I would also say that the results could be that end experience, that end experience being frictionless, that end experience being um, empathetic, that end experience being, you know, like a wow experience, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I guess, what customers want. So it, it is really the, it really depends on where the organization is at. Um, but what we see is there organizations that really take it seriously. Uh, the results also speak by themselves in terms of a bottom line results. So organizations are way more profitable. Employees are much more engaged. Pro- processes are much faster and efficient. It's really incredible. The results are amazing. So uh, yeah, human-centered, or, or human-centered organizations are definitely leading the way uh, when it comes to that as well. That's cool.
0: So I think the people that would be listening to this would be people that align to us and quite um, motivated themselves to make change within their organization. And they probably come up with challenges with their stakeholders to influence them to come on board to this as an approach. So do you have any tips or specific things they can say when they're talking to directors and leaders within the organization to say, hold on, like." Let's do it this way. Hmm. Um, Yeah, we do see that
1: sometimes there's a lot of those really creative humans who understand what human-centered design is, so design thinking, customer experience, whatever that is, and and their leaders do not. Um, So we, we always encourage those individuals to be comfortable knowing that it might be the path to get that, that group of stakeholders to understand will be rocky because people are resistance, resistant to change. Um, And, you know, if we, if we're profitable, why do we need to do anything? Why do we need to change the way we are? Like, you know, that's, that's such a big thing. Um, And I would probably say that expose them to what's important to them. So if for example, for them, it's really about, you know, creating, you know, a growth, x percentage by the next three years really expose them to case studies and data that really speaks their language. A lot of the time is, is from, for a designer to really understand what is the language of my stakeholder so I could speak their language and match that communication. Some people really, really want to get that logical, rational data coming from you even though you know the end point is really about providing an experience that is memorable and this or that but for that stakeholders like show me the dollars and i'll give you the money to work on to play with human-centered design so i would probably say just be you can even do a bit of stakeholder mapping just to know who is in that ecosystem. And there is a little bit of an exercise. There's tons of stakeholder mapping templates people can access online um, and, and really map who is in, who is out, who is a detractor, who is a champion, who is like, you know, standby sort of person. Um, and then start really mapping out how my, which is a technique, you know, that we use, how my we, how my I engage with our stakeholder In what words would i have to use in which way i have to explain the value um, we see that a really nice way to also play with design thinking in organizations that haven't played with it is to say look there is this concept and we want to tap into it it's really providing a lot of value for organizations who are using it such and such uh, we want to use it as a pilot for two months three months I want to do that. And I want to come back to you with the results. Is that, is that possible? And a lot of the times stakeholders will say, yes, you know, like that's okay. Um, as long as it's re- you're keeping, keeping the process very minimal. So you're not, you know, you're not really affecting the whole yeah. factory process. So I think that really works just really start small and, and slowly bring them on, bring them on that knowledge journey with you.
0: Yeah. I think that sounds really encouraging to me and I've definitely noticed that ourselves you know it doesn't mean when first of all yeah it's apply human-centered design to the conversation that you're about to have Mm. or your approach to the project and be courageous to have the conversations in the first place and know that it may be a no in the first conversation but over time you are influencing them because we've had clients come back and like The first time they're like, "Mm, that's weird. Do what we told you to do, Kim. But then next time they're like, hey, you know that thing? Can we try that? So yeah, I think definitely be courageous, keep trying um, and speak their language. That was a really good. Yeah.
1: And and, and one thing that I want to mention. So if you say to someone, you know, when, if you, if you tell someone design thinking, human-centered design and just give them that exposure, surprisingly, and this is a bit of a, how our brain's, operate is that that person will be more attuned to that so all of a sudden they will see it everywhere it's like when when you know people are pregnant and they see pregnant people women all <laughs> everywhere it's the same thing it's like it, it is exactly the same thing so you really make sure that you give that exposure and 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 without them knowing so really un, in, unconsciously that message will be coming in and it will be coming in and there will be a point in time where it will be easier and easier to have those conversations and you're like this is great they understand we 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 know what we're trying to to work on together here
0: yeah i guess um common objections that probably come up is we don't have time or budget to do a hcd approach any Mm. things that you can help people to overcome those objections
1: I think um, when we hear that, we always say, well, if you don't have time, then you've got to understand that the risk is very high. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And and we always try to look at the risk of, and a lot, there's a lot of clever humans within organizations that will can even even give you a data point to say, this is how much the risk, that's how high the risk would be. Uh, So the human centered design process is really disruptive and, And the beauty of it is it can also help to fast track a lot of those ideas and value propositions that businesses are just simply way too stuck and simply are too too costly for organizations. So if an organization thinks that it's going to be too expensive and it's going to take an awful lot of time, then they don't understand human-centered design. Mm. You can explain that human-centered design can be used in little bits to actually pick up a value proposition, pick up an idea and prototype it, validate it, which minimizes any cost, any risk for that organization. We see that organizations traditionally really work on that. We have a problem, let's fix it. This is how much it costs let's put it out and see what people think. And that is very expensive. We see loads and loads of case studies in which Mm. organizations spend millions of dollars and there is no one customer. And so it is crazy. And so if you say, well, this is going to cost us $10,000, but we're going to validate it and we're going to know what works, what doesn't work. That means we're not failing. We're actually winning because we didn't spend, you know, another Mm $200,000. And this happens, especially a lot in the space of user experience, website development. And and, we don't, we don't play a lot in the space of UX, but we do a lot of UX projects as well. And it's really surprising how a lot of companies, very mature companies kind of work on a user experience project, which might be a digital platform or a website without speaking to one customer. And then they developed this whole website thinking this is going to be great and everybody's going to enjoy it and it's going to be frictionless and we're going to have people and loads of eyeballs and no, you know, and they're like, what, what went wrong? And this is after spending lots of money on developing the website. So look, I think it's really important to bring the value yeah. saying we just need to test it, validate it really early. A few customers, it doesn't have to be overboard. It doesn't have to be expensive and really make sure that you're on, on the right direction
0: yeah i am um, a skill i learned yesterday is the power of if so and this is for our like our industry and i used it with a client yesterday it is they a lot of times in our industry people come to us with we want this solution please make it for us mm. and so the skill that i learned yesterday or the conversation that i learned to have was great when they tell you this is what we need you to do kim Um, great. If you want to do a quick fix and just wanna push this through because you have had an audit or whatever it is, we can do that. Or we could say, we're not the team for you because that's not what we believe in. We'd like to be able to do human-centered design. However, if you would like to change behavior, improve your profit lines and all those things, then we are the team for you. So it's saying, if to all the things that could go wrong, those risks with the pre-prescribed solution. And then, but on the other hand, if you want all these things that are possible and achievable, this is Mm. what we can do for you. Um, And I actually played with that with a client yesterday and it worked and it went really, really well, even though I was like doing the nervous shakes, (laughs) like, you know, when you're trying to do something for the first time, but it worked really well and it made so much sense to them. So that would be like one tip as well. That's awesome! I love that tip. I'll be using it myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else kind of challenges are you seeing people have around this, trying to get it on board, or you know? Mm, I or guess organizations, because you, know, you yeah. have the breath of like witnessing it happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. I think. A lot of the times, and, and I, I, I think I see this especially in a lot of organizations that are not as mature um, in Australia, just because Australia is, you know, geographically, you know, very far removed from a lot of the things that are happening in the world, and not every trend, not every, not everything around human-centered design comes this way. So, I think what we see is that we need to do a lot of education in a lot of a lot of the times where you know, and I think that's why we created the platform of Purposeful CX. And then, you know, we've been doing so many events for the public to really upskill themselves. And, you know, people like you, like you, you kind of, you know, somewhere, you know, heard the term human-centered design, went to an event, that milestone had you somewhere else. Now you're doing all of your work evolves around human-centered design, which is awesome. But, if you, weren't, if, if you hadn't been exposed to that, then you wouldn't have known any different. So we are definitely working on a lot of that education piece, making sure that we're giving that awareness and providing that, that, that insight around what has worked, what doesn't work, what is it? A lot of organizations need to even understand what is even human-centered design, like what is this thing? Um, And so, yeah, a lot of education is really important. Um, A lot of companies are very um, risk adverse. So that's why they might see human-centered design as something a little bit fluffy, something a little bit um, non-business related. And that depends very much on the leadership of that organization. So a lot of the times those leaders, you know, have been very traditional thinkers and ultimately, you know, not very creative Problem solver. So sometimes you really educate those leaders and really ensure that they um, they are as hungry as those as, as those human-centered design leaders who probably are you know working out more and you know in the human-centered design gym um, and, and then yeah and they like oh okay well if they're doing it maybe I could try and maybe I could do it. So if you really bring it to that very one-on-one level, especially with leaders. Uh, are particularly unaware of how leaders like them can do the things that those leaders are doing, they will really look at it from a one-on-one. And so that really creates a lot of impact. So we really bring that conversation down to those, um, those leaders, in fact, and uh, that seems to work as well.
0: That's cool. Well, I have to say, yeah, like for people here, we've we've only attended your free events um, myself and members of the team and brought friends as well and they've all raved about it for in terms of that awareness piece Um so yeah it's just really cool so thank you for that obviously we're in brisbane australia um but it just shows like the value that you do bring and the impact that mm-hmm. it's had on us just from that so i know that you do workshops for in-house and you do workshops for consultants trying to upskill and that as well. So definitely we'll be putting your details anyway in the description people can explore you more. What um what I don't know books, resources, YouTube channels have helped kind of have left an impact on you for your own practitionership. Mm, oh my God,
1: if I if I was to show you all the books that I have in front of me. I have so many. Um it is really interesting. Um and I think about an athlete who has to run a marathon at, mm-hmm. um, or, or, or be part of an Olympics game. They have what I call peripheral learning. So yes, they have to train every day. And that's their focus, you know, is to get from A to B in the fastest time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the least amount of time. But that peripheral ecosystem is really about their mindset the thoughts, the beliefs, the, the food they eat, their environment. And so that's the same way, I think, and the same way we train individuals and designers to become a design thinker. Because it's not about tapping into the tools, it's how you use the tools. Mm. And, and that comes with a skill, that is, is very human and very connected to who you are. And so that really comes with that wisdom. And that wisdom comes from um, understanding that vulnerability is okay. You know, being very connected to yourself um, so you can connect therefore with others. You can not show people how to connect themselves with customers if you are not yourself connected to yourself. <laughs> you know Next. what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's exactly right. You know, that's I've invested time, money, energy, tears for years to become a better me.
0: Yes.
1: And the results of that is that we have a business that teaches people how to become the better them whether it's there individuals working in their teams, their teams or the organization developing things for customers. And so I think it's really appreciating that there are so many books. And so probably I wouldn't be able to say this book, this yeah. book, although I, I, I'll point a few. Um, and so, yes, I do a lot of mindfulness stuff. Um, books that are relevant in the space of design thinking as well. I've got a couple of events here to show you. This is a really great book. It's called Testing Business Ideas. This is more... Um, kind of um, minimal viable product sort of approach. Uh, This is from the guys that wrote um, the business value model and the value proposition model as well. So that's really important and very cool. This is a really fun book um, called The Design Thinking Playbook. Uh, Super cool. Definitely recommended. Very nice for people to understand what tools you can tap into um, there are lots of resources online as well mm-hmm. there is a book that um, I've got from um, David Kelly called the creative um, what is it called i don't have it somewhere here the creative something is David Kelly audio CEO okay. uh, creative creative confidence oh yeah um, I think it's really really nice book for individuals who Think they're not creative. Everybody's creative. It's just how we shut ourselves down. You know, we were super creative as children, a part of our brain stopped us from being that person. And then, you know, we need to be in that flow. And I think creativity can really help us with that. Um, and then yeah, I, I read a lot of things around resilience and greed and um really, really working on me as a as a as a human being. So uh, yeah
0: i freaking love that you went there with that answer um that it comes back to you as the individual that you're not yeah you didn't say it's this book it's not the practitioner skills it's the mindset Mm. it's the human being um i really really love that you came that way and i think what that comes out in who you are and that's what i was trying to recognize you for earlier like that passion that caring that authenticity is just proof of the work that you've done for yourself. And then you've obviously done the work to identify what you're passionate about and what you really love, which is where your business and stuff comes into it. And I think what people should be able to see today or hear or watching is that being brought out to the world through how you talk about it, how you approach things with clients, because you're not in there saying you need to do this, da, 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 da. You're just being you, and by being you, you're having the impact. I just think that's yeah. pretty special. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's true. <laughs> that's cool. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like I want to just leave it on that. We always seem to at, get to, like, be a better human in my, these podcasts. Be a better human, and everything else will work out. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of where we've got to as well <laughs> in the end of this. Is there anything else you'd like to share or get onto before we wrap it
1: up? Oh no, I think I think that's everything. We I guess the last thing to say is that um definitely for anyone out there, you know, whether they're on their early stages of human centered design, they're quite mature on on it and is to always be very open to learn and 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 that is something that you know we thrive and and we always empower people to do and and yeah just really really make sure that you know you're spending that that time on yourselves and um, prioritizing you um because that work will really resonate with others and those
0: ones that you serve i love it ali thank you so much for being on here today i really appreciate you and the knowledge that you've shared Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for having me, Kim. Thanks, everyone, for listening or watching, whatever way you choose to digest and consume this amazing content from the guests that come on here. Um, have an awesome day and work on yourself. One thing, five-minute favor for yourself that will make you a better human today. Peace.